The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Hey, what's up, guys? John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, my God! You want a podcast? Great. So you have some audio on your website that nobody goes to. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Woo! Oh, pay-per-view fight week. Good to be back with you. Monday, October 28, 2019 is the year. It's episode 223 of the Anik and Florian Podcast. How about this Damian Maya? in the nature of time, 23rd UFC win over Ben Askren. And I think there's more to talk about, honestly, on the Askren side. Uh, but if you were somehow a Maya doubter before, at least as far as his Hall of Fame candidacy was concerned, a main event win over Ben Askren in Singapore certainly does not hurt the case. I went through the wins list today. Uh, just an incredible win for Damian Maya in a career full of them. Had to dig deep at times. I thought Askren showed some improvements, but uh, 23 UFC wins for Damian Maya, and this one had to feel pretty good, I would think, over the weekend, kid. Uh, just spectacular, and I know this was a match that Damian Maya was very interested in himself. Right. Um, to d- kind of determine who the best 170-pound grappler was, uh, he obviously answered that um Pretty easily, I I thought he was extremely dominant on the ground for the most part against Ben Askren, a guy who has made a career out of taking people down repeatedly and controlling them and taking them out of their game. Um, You know, I don't think this is the same Ben Askren that we saw when he was in his prime. Uh, You know, Dean Thomas tweeted something to the effect of, hey, we can't judge Ben Askren or Ben Askren's career based on what we've seen in the UFC so far. I don't know if... It's something that maybe his skills have dropped, he hasn't kept up, or maybe he took too much time away from the sport, or the UFC is just another level, but um, he's just not performing the way he was outside of the UFC, and and Damian Maya uh, proved to be way more skillful. I mean, Maya looked, and again, Maya's strength is not his striking but to see him completely outclass Askren on the feet uh was I think significant as far as Ben Askren and what he wants to do moving forward and then uh to see him really dominate on the ground as well and reverse him with what seemed to be pretty easily uh a guy like Askren with that wrestling base it was kind of surprising and he just cut through right to mount Askren just did not have an answer really for anything pretty much aside from a couple beautiful takedowns that Askren hit this was a, this was a tough performance for him anything for us on the technical submission the rear naked choke I know Ben Askren was asked about it at, yeah. after the fact I know you sort of touched on it a little bit but uh anything that he I mean what was the fatal flaw defensively just allowing that position yeah, I think for the most part, you can't let Maya get to your back. That, that was his first mistake. Um, he was allowing him to pass so easily right into that smash pass, which Maya is so well no- known for. It just, to me, it seemed like Askren just didn't do his homework. Once he got around to the back um, and Maya had that underneath the neck, it, w- it was all over. Even, it does, you know, yes, it's easier to secure it when you have that hand behind the head, uh, but with uh, Damian Maya's ability to uh, get around your neck get that squeeze uh, again the neck is the most vulnerable part of the body Askren was in deep trouble it looked like he went to sleep there for about a second um but uh, it seemed like Askren I know Askren mentioned something about getting overconfident it seemed like that could have been the case because yeah. if you look at the end of the first round that's when he hit the takedown he then went for it again in the second round in the third round however he started going for the takedown much, much earlier, which gave Damian Maya that much more time to work. A guy that's as good on the ground uh, like Maya, even though he's right. not so well known for his guard, don't give him enough time oh, to yeah. really set things up. He should have stayed disciplined and taken him down at the end of the round. I think Askren felt a little too comfortable, took him down uh, a little too early. Yeah, and not just because I'm a commentator. Every time Maya gets a fight to the canvas, I'm looking at the clock, right? It's right. like, oh, gee, how much time are you going to give the guy? So exactly. in terms of what Dean Thomas has to say and how we judge Ben Askren's career, I never pro- profess to be an MMA historian, mm-hmm. uh, but this is hard, right? This is part of the narrative. I love Dean, one of my favorite people in the in the game. I'm not sure I agree with that 
part of things, right? I think you got to come out as a betting favorite and beat Damian Maya this weekend. And, uh, you know, he has used the word controversial to describe his bulldog choke win over Robbie Lawler. So uh, I know Ian Parker, who I was with this weekend, thinks a, a rematch between Robbie Lawler and Ben Askren now all of a sudden seems to to make some sense. But uh, before we spin it forward for Ben, just big picture on Damian Maya. I'm going to run through the wins list very quickly because I want to give him the shine, even though there's all this Askren noise and rightfully so. So three straight wins for Damian Maya, right? The dude was left for dead after he lost to all elite competition, right? Tyron Woodley, Colby Covington, Kamaru Usman in whatever order. Mm-hmm. But the wins list, Chael Sonnen, John Fitch, Rick Story, Don Kyun Kim, Ryan LaFlair, Neil Magny, a bunch of these main events, by the way, Gunnar Nelson, Matt Brown, Carlos Condit, both of those by submission, uh, Anthony Rocco, Martin Lyman, Good, Jorge Masvidal, and now a finish of Ben Askren. Uh, you know, if he doesn't, if he doesn't end up in the Hall of Fame, it, it would be um, a, a complete travesty. Uh, this is a guy that ha- really came in with a singular uh, type of mastery in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, a style that is very much a throwback. He has continued to improve not only his Jiu-Jitsu, which has been his strength, but his striking looks sharper. This is a guy that went in, uh, went to the United States and trained his wrestling. This is a true martial artist through and through. And if you're looking for a model of how to really cater your Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu to become successful at the highest level in mixed martial arts, um, look no further than Damian Maya. That is the way you get it done, and that is the approach to martial arts. Ben Askren looked like he only wrestled for this training camp. Damian Maya clearly worked on all of the skills, top, bottom, wrestling, striking, uh, and it showed. It's simple as that. It really showed. So you and Dominic Cruz oftentimes will talk about MMA in a context of not getting hit, not absorbing damage, and in an era in which 40-year-olds and 35-plus even – Guys are getting knocked out left and right. This mm. guy's putting together a three-fight winning streak, you know, and doing it in a main Amazing. event against a guy in Ben Askren that people still think very highly of, and rightfully so. I mean, you can still see why some of his transitions and his nuances and his physical strength, and uh, I do still think Ben Askren has fight left in him. That's why I'm dismissive of what Dean Thomas says. Uh, you like a, a Robbie Lawler rematch for Ben Askren? What would you like to see uh, in terms of Ben Askren's next fight? You know, a, a fight against Robbie Lawler um, does make sense. Uh, I think people want closure from that. I'm both. I'm sure both Robbie Lawler and Ben Askren want some closure. Uh, Robbie Lawler, uh, especially. Um, and, and I think Robbie just been, being around for a long time, coming off a loss, I think that is a fight that makes sense. Now is the time to kind of do it. Yeah. And for Ben Askren, right? I mean, he's got to win this fight. If he doesn't win this fight... Um, I, I don't think um, he's going to have much of an argument for why he should stick around, unfortunately, as good as Ben Askren has been before he got into the UFC. To see him lose again and to lose against the guy that he has the one win against, which was controversial, um, I, I think it could be the end of Ben Askren's mixed martial arts career. So his back is is, is against the wall right now. Um, it's unfortunate to see because I had very high expectations for Ben Askren. This was a tough stylistic matchup for Damian Maia. You look at how Damian Maia has done uh, against wrestlers, um, you know, in, in his previous fight, it's been a very difficult matchup for him. Stylistically, it has been for jiu-jitsu practitioners. Um, and the fact that he was really dominated in this fight um, isn't the best of signs. A lot of us were so excited to see this decorated United States wrestler Ben Askren come into the UFC so that he would get the chance to prove that he was a top five welterweight in the world, if not a UFC champion and an undisputed world champion type. I believe it was Leon Edwards who tweeted over the weekend, you know, his skill set doesn't put him in the top 25. And... I certainly want that question answered. I think the casual in me would say, oh, come on, Askren's certainly top 15, right? I mean, just his specialization puts him in the top 15. But I think you got a guy like Leon Edwards sitting there like, look, I just I wreck this guy if I get the opportunity. I, I think you could be right about that. And I think from what he's shown, man, he's just not showing that he's an all-around mixed martial artist. It's just not... It's not demonstrated in what he's doing out there, even as far as his ability to get to a takedown. 
what are you doing striking wise to set up those amazing takedowns that you have? He looks he looks like he's still a beginner, and that should not happen at this point in his career as far as how he's setting up his takedowns. I also think we've seen Ben Askren take some damage because of his lack of striking knowledge take a lot of damage in his fights, and it just could be that it's catching up with him now. The fight against Robbie Lawler didn't help. He took some big right. shots there. Sure. I mean, was knocked out two or three times, flash knockouts. Um, that devastating knockout by Jorge Masvidal, you're not going to be the same after something right. like that. Right. I mean, you can't. I, I, this takes time. A, again, sometimes it takes a little while for this damage to set in. And he's been fighting a very long time, John. And I think now that we're seeing him get caught with these brutal shots from Robbie Lawler uh, to Jorge Masvidal to uh, all these things, it's it's not a good sign. It, 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 it might be time for him to retire. I don't want to see him take any damage, uh, any needless damage out there. I think he needs to get cleaner with how he's entering into his takedowns. Yeah. It seems like no one has really been working on him with that. And if he doesn't improve that, he's going to continue to take damage. Certainly hasn't been this mass evolution. And I'm glad you injected that into the conversation because the Masvidal fight wasn't all that long ago and uh, right. got stretchered. That was certainly concussive damage. Now, Ben Askren said during fight week going into this fight that things can turn around pretty quickly. And when you're a big name like he is with a big fight looming with respect to what Leon Edwards says, you know, Ben Askren, if he wants to continue, is probably going to get a top 15 type name. Um I would say I would say that John and and for the hardcores the people that know him yes but for the majority of fans this is what they've seen from Ben Askren. It was his UFC right. performances, and, and that's what's going to be tough for him. Um, and he, he's got to do something. He's got to change something up. Um, and again, you look at the other side of things and Damian Maya, 41 years old, and this Bro. is a guy that continues to get better. You listed off all those unbelievable names, and he's taking them all out. It's, it's a right. thing of beauty, man. That is what the martial arts is all about, and uh, no Damian doubt. Maya is just a great representative presentation of that all right well age is just a number got yes. flies in the office here speaking of age is just a number let's get to uh let's get to raymond peter longo shall we it's now time for the ray longo minute i want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest that's what i want the ray longo minute starring ray longo the john annick and kenny florian podcast Starring Ray Longo is right. We should lead the show with him every week. Three weeks after going to Australia, Ray has now fully Oof. recovered. 21 days, I'm, but you're, you're finally there. I'm fully back. I'm fully recovered, John. Fully. Ready to roll. So, uh, you know, funny, I, was, I was listening to you guys talk, and I got to tell you, man, it's, I, I, Kenny, I agree 100%. What a, and, and plus, if you're a jiu-jitsu guy, you all, everybody's going nuts. Look, I talked to Matt the other yeah. day. <laughs> We didn't even talk about my guy pulled me that won the fight. All he kept saving and Maya, I called rear naked. He got it's a huge, huge thing. They and the, and plus that the guy's forty one is yeah. that crazy. Stuff, I mean, it's phenomenal. It's actually phenomenal. Twenty three UFC wins for Damian Maya. And, so a, and cool. a sweetheart and a great guy. And I like yeah. Askren too. They, that was a, a good competition against you know two guys that were at the top of the food chain of what they do. Um, and it was uh, it was a great matchup, and uh, it was a, it was an entertaining fight. So, what do you think about Ben Askren? Because some, like Dean Thomas, will suggest that we really shouldn't judge his body of work and his career on what has transpired through three UFC fights. Uh, but I think the whole goal and the whole excitement for UFC hardcores like Ken Flo and like me was to really see him prove himself on a UFC stage, and and three fights in. Uh, the returns haven't been great. I mean, what are your thoughts on Ben Askren on the heels of this loss this weekend? Uh, you know, I, I didn't really follow his career before. I did see him, like, at the Bellator. You know, I, I think I started at the beginning, and then I lost sight of him, uh, you know, what he did otherwise than that. But it, uh, unfortunately for Ben, that you are judged on your UFC stuff. I mean, I, nobody's even – like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a MMA fan. I'm not really even too sure – who else he fought and where, but I did see him, I think the last time I saw him fight live was he beat uh, Lyman Good in uh, Philadelphia, and that was years ago. So he, when he was starting out, 
uh, obviously his wrestling was off the hook. So unfortunately for him, as he's getting older, he's going to get judged on uh, his UFC fights. But you know what are you going to do? But he's a, he's an intelligent good dude. I think he speaks well. He's very articulate, and he's got to figure out a couple of things. But um, you know the, the ship is sailing now. He's it, you know he's racing against the clock also at this point. Ray, uh, another very important welterweight matchup uh, is going down on Saturday night, of course. Oh, uh, oh, 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 oh. Diaz, the West Coast gangster, taking on Jorge Masvidal, the East Coast gangster. Huh. Um, it, it, it's, it's such a great fight, man. Both these guys are on top of their games right now. They've been around the sport for such a long time, uh, and it seems like they're just getting their due. Uh, what do you think about this fight, man? Yeah, first off, I love the whole thing. I know there's a lot of people that are against it, but I like, you know, when when the you know the universe corrects itself. You know what I mean? And these guys, they've been around forever. I think even you could see the mutual respect. When you're real people, this is how real people act. There's no bullshit. There's no you know talking out of the side of your mouth. You know, even the tweet that Masvidal put out about you know with the. Uh, you saw the thing. Hey, you might not be the baddest motherfucker I am, but you are the cleanest motherfucker. You know, and, and this is <laughs> right. This Respect. Is two guys that are real. I I like the both of them. I know Nate longer. I love Nate. Love Nick. Those guys. I you know. I look. I've been saying for twenty years, fifty. They shoot from the hip. I always any conversation I had, I knew it was a real conversation. You know, where you talk to some guys, Kenny, and then behind your back they say something. You're not getting it. These are loyal guys. They. They follow, you know, you know. sometimes it appears that they're, you know, different, but they do have a good set of ethics with the martial law code, and they're loyal, and they're, yep. they're just good guys. And I'm, I'm happy to see. I hope they're making money. I think they deserve it. I think this is a great fight for the fans. And, uh, like, again, Masvidal's been around forever from backyard fighting to, you know, whatever he's – it's just – it's good. It's just – to me, it's good. It doesn't – you know, and it goes to show you when you're – like, it doesn't even matter who the champ is. They might forget who the 170 champ is after this, huh. you know? Yeah. But um, I, think it's a, I think it's a good fight. I think it was a great concept. And you watch two guys, they didn't need any help. They self-promoted that thing. You know right. what I mean? Nobody match-made it. Nobody's going to take credit. This is the way it should be. These are guys that deserve a big payday. They deserve to be on the uh, main card of any fight. They draw people. And, uh, you know, even the way Nate handled that USADA thing, I thought was phenomenal. Just held his ground. He doesn't pray to the dollar bill. That's not his God. He doesn't give a yeah. shit. You're clearing my name or I ain't fighting. That's a guy with well, integrity, man. Right. And all these other guys might want to jump on that bandwagon, Kenny, but you know what? They kept their mouths shut. They took their paycheck and they dealt with it after. And this is the difference, man. This guy, they knew this wasn't a bluff. <laughs> they knew it yeah. wasn't a bluff, man. Oh, yeah. And he... He held to his guns, and he got his name cleared. And I don't know. You got to pick a guy like that to say, like he's, you know, maybe insinuate that he might be cheating. Are you freaking kidding me? When you got guys that look like Bill Bixby from the Hulk walking around, that, <laughs> you know, it's, it's fucking crazy. It's crazy. To me. I well, think I love I've what always this guy thought... did. I was a fan before. I'm a bigger fan now. Trust me. I really love what the guy did. Well, and I, I, I got it. It's not easy to do. You know, because you got to make money, and this guy made a decision. That's not that's not what's going to dictate my moral compass. It's just not. Well, to the point where I think Nathan is a guy that I respect so much, and I think has a lot of integrity as far as how he approaches the sport. And I've always been kind of like laughing inside anytime go anytime someone goes, "Oh, it looks like it was a supplement." I'm like, "Ah, come on, man. Really yeah. like the old supplement excuse?" But when you see someone like Nathan Diaz have to deal with something like that, it gets you to really think about it like, "Wait a sec. Nathan's a guy that has always been clean, always appeared to be clean. He's always been outspoken against people who have used the way that he came out, he said, go ahead, test everything, whatever you want to do. And to see it happen to someone like Nate Diaz really gets you scratching your head like, shit, man, something's got something's to change with this whole USADA thing. Yeah, I mean, and he, and he came out. He, so, he didn't have to come out. Yeah, he ahead, came sorry, out himself. John. I was going to say he came out himself about it, which, which I thought was even more impressive, right? That, that Nathan actually didn't have to go and speak out about this and said, hey, here's the deal. This is what's going on. I want someone to speak up about this before this fight goes down and you guys start talking crap or accuse me of, of using. 
And you know why he could do that? The way he did it? Because he's fucking clean. That's why he's got a clean conscience. Exactly. Exactly. What was that? That's the whole rub. It's when you have nothing to hide. The point is, as yeah. soon as you get right. that letter with any sort of flag, what do you do? You scream from the ru- fucking rooftops that you're innocent uh, because you are. And right. so that's why I've yeah. always thought when an athlete doesn't immediately scream innocence, uh, then maybe there is something to hide. Uh, it, what do you think? And we got Go ahead, in- Ray. We got an inside view on, you know, keep your mouth shut, do the fight, and then they attack you. You know, like, that's crazy that yeah. people did that. Like, you know, John yeah. Jones wants to jump on, I know what you're going through. He has no idea what that guy's going through because that guy didn't do anything. It's, it's, yeah. it's really, I love how these guys, everybody's jumping on Nate's bandwagon now, but he was the only guy with the balls to sit down and say, I'm not fighting. Take your money, stick it up your ass, do what you got to do. Yeah. Like, again, he, he held to his guns, man. You got to respect that. I don't care who you are. So uh, I guess maybe I should give you another week on Chris Weidman. I know he has come out and said assuredly that he is going to fight again. Any insight on uh, on Chris before I ask you about this uh, this bantamweight division? Uh, you know, like look, he left for Hawaii today. Good. I really haven't spoken to him that much. I mean, I tried calling him yesterday, and um, I didn't get a hold of him. But um, he ain't ta- he ain't taking that call, know, huh? What was that? He ain't <laughs> taking that call. He's got one foot out the door to Hawaii. <laughs> I called him a couple of times because he told my friend I wasn't calling him. I was like, this guy's <laughs> going to kill him. He has, he's not even picking up the phone. But, um, you know, I was busy because I had that, that kid fight in Bellator this week, too. So, I mean, I, I just left Boston and went basically right to Connecticut. So I've been all over the place. But, uh, you know, I'll definitely uh, get a hold of him. And, you know, we haven't really talked uh, extensively. But I just want to make sure he's all right because it's a tough thing to go through and um, you know, that type of deal. So I really haven't spoken to him because I was I was away again. So uh as soon as he gets back I'll I'll fill you in on everything. But it was just it, look, it was a uh, you know, winning and losing it's all part of life and the quality guys know how to, you know, handle both sides of it. But it it, it does uh it does suck, you know, so we'll see where we go. But uh you know, and again, I d I don't like talking to people right after I think you need to give them time to sit and reflect and, you know, really uh, see where they're at and what they need to do. So I give him another week, let him, let him enjoy himself with his family in Hawaii, and then when he comes back, we'll, we'll talk about it. So you had reason to celebrate, though, this weekend. I saw your Instagram page. I don't know if it was a fighter who was making his pro debut or what was going on, but uh, big, there seemed to be a, uh, a big win that you were enjoying over the weekend. T- talk to us yeah. about it. Yeah, sure. That was Pumi Nakuda. He's a young kid that fights at a gym. But no, that was his pro debut. And, nice. um, yeah, I was just really, really impressed with his poise and how calm he was and uh, the way he handled that fight and, uh, in front of his first uh, big stage. You know, Bellator was a nice card. They run a great show, very, uh, very nicely run, and they had a good crowd. And, yeah, he did. I was blown away by just how patient he was and that's why i put that post up i mean he really wrestled the guy a lot of squeezing a lot of wrestling and he was able to come up with like a sugar ray Leonard combo at the end to start that fight right into a takedown i thought it was picture perfect and he didn't overrun his guy he didn't make rookie mistakes even though it was his first pro fight it's just uh it was a great night that kid's got a really really bright future very cool all right before we let you go there have been two ufc bantamweight fight announcements since we were last on the air, as your guy Aljamain Sterling sits on the men, so we got Piotr Jan taking on Uriah Faber, and we have Jose Aldo taking on Marlon Marais. I don't know if you've had a chance to talk to Aljo. I know he's excited to see these divisional announcements and the fact that it's moving forward. Uh, dude, these are huge fights in a division that, yeah. that obviously has captivated my attention now for, for quite some time. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, listen, me and Aljo took the ferry over to the fight. And we probably, I don't think we talked about that. There's so many other things to talk about. I mean, things are moving so quick over here. We got, you know, another, like, bunch of fights coming up within the next couple of weeks. Uh, we did I don't believe we spoke about that. But they are huge fights. Um, and he's still in the cast, so I don't, I don't know when he's going to be ready. I think he starts rehab in December, so I hope he's ready to go early 2020. But uh, huge yeah. fights for the Bantamweight division. I'm not sure 
exactly what they mean, but they're they're great matchups for for name value and marquee value for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Cejudo's timeline probably is March, April, uh, or somewhere around there. So, got to think if Aljo can get that fight or at least get on that card in, in a true title eliminator. We'll see. But at least it's moving that, forward. That, All right, that'll man. be great. And it, lo- and it looks like Frankie hasn't mentioned anything either. I know they spoke about that fight. Yeah. You know, so who the hell knows what's going on? But I think, yeah. I mean, again, marquee value. Who doesn't want to see Marlon and, and Aldo go at it? I don't know. Yeah. Aldo's never fought at 35. Am I correct with that? No, he has not. Well, that's what's a little confusing for me was 145 supposedly was was becoming too difficult and that he was, uh, you know, eventually or ultimately going to move to 155 pounds. Then he makes the announcement he's going to fight at 135. I don't know. Listen, skill-wise, I I mean, if if they're able to bring 100% uh, of themselves in that fight, that is just an unbelievable fight. Marlon Moraes, you could argue, is kind of a slightly more modern version of, of Jose Aldo in some ways. Exactly. Um, so yeah. th- that is just a fascinating thing. But uh, I don't know. I hope uh, Aldo's chin and his body is able to, to hold up in that fight. And um, I think the UFC is probably looking at those two fights as uh, potential challengers, right? At, at some point, maybe in the uh, near future. Know, well, My well, favorite huge name, Patrick Mar- Mar- Yeah, marquee right. value, I think it's great, but I'm not sure... What that fight even means is Jose going right. to first? Can he make thirty-five? And number two, can he stay at thirty-five? Like right. it seems like everybody's just looking to get a fight, no matter what weight they have to go to. You know what I mean? I don't know, yeah. but uh, and the PD and you know Uriah Faber, he's no kid anymore. Even though everybody loves him, I mean that's going to be a. I think that's a tough fight for Uriah, just based on age and you know activity wise but he looked great he looked like a world beater against uh, simon he hit him with that overhand and who knows so i think like again marquee value i get it i think they're huge matchups for what anything actually means i'm not really sure right. i don't know if i'm feeling that though yeah i mean I, my read on it just to speculate would be that Uriah feels like if he beats Piotr Jan, he's getting a championship opportunity right, right. and that was his incentive to take that fight but ray we gotta let you go bro because we got to move this thing along. You know, we're trying not to take too many people's time. They say the wheel, the wheelhouse for a podcast, like 45 to 60 minutes, you know? So unless Dude, you got I'm, anything I'm, else. I'm rearing to go today, John. I can keep going. Hey, That's if it. you, you, you want to commit to I'm 25 going. minutes. No, I mean, if you got anything else, we will certainly take it. I'd love a Masvidal Diaz prediction if you got that. Um, but <laughs> otherwise, we'll let you fly. Put him on the spot. Only, what do you got, Ray? I have a loyalty, and I know him longer. I'm taking Nate Diaz. I hope. You know, only because even the way he handled this situation, I think uh, the gods are aligning themselves for a big win for that guy. But Masvidal, I mean, I've never, ever bet against Masvidal, except when Until he fought today. out of Quinta. But besides that, I never bet against him. <laughs> I certainly never, yeah. bet, ag- I never bet against Nate and Diaz. So uh, i got to go back to just who I know longer and who, I, you know, i got definitely more of a relationship with Nate. So I'm definitely uh, pulling for him, but I love both guys. I think that I respect both of them as fighters and people. So I hope it's a great fight for the fans. That's all I got. Enjoy the fight uh, either from your couch or, of course, if you need ringside tickets, you just just text Ken Flo. He'll take care of those for you. (laughs) Thank you, buddy. No, I actually have tickets for the fight. I'm not. I'm not sure I'm going. I, I I've just been away for I mean, every weekend. I'm gone, so I might. Man. I don't know. I'll either be there with my wife or I won't be there. Well, you Did just you opened get... yourself up to a lot of phone calls. Uh, I'm just telling you, right? It's like yeah, this is like a out. seriously hot ticket. I've been inundated uh, with no, requests. No, they're right. already lined up in the gym. You say, are you yeah. kidding? Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, right, well, if you need two right, extra. Listen, just you're going to be in New York, John. Yes, I will be there. I'll be there with my Red Sox hat, okay? If anybody gives you any trouble, you got my number. (laughs) It's all good. It's all good, John. John, we know people in high places. It's all good. Don't let them bully you. Do not get bullied in New York. Promise me that. I I will do my best. You know, I'm going to do some push-ups the the few days beforehand. I'll be ready to go. Oh, man. All right, listen, have a great time. All right, Kenny, take it easy, buddy. Ray, you too, dude. All right, there he is, Ray Longo. Minute every week here on the Anakin Florian podcast. Ken Flo is going to use the restroom. Get out of here, Ken Flo. I'm going to do the pronunciation of the week with uh, TJ while you're gone, and then we will get to Ian Parker and everything else on this fine program. By the way, we might pick the entire card. UFC 244, 12 selections today in the main event challenge. Uh, But TJ's 12 and 10 on the year, so uh, 
12 and 9 last week, I would have given him the win. Ken Flo said no. So 12 and 10 it is. This fighter fights out of Suriname, 8 and 0. Heavyweight, trying to move to 3 and 0 in the UFC, faces Andre Arlovsky. TJ DeSantis, crack a mic. Who are we talking about, Kit? I'd, I'd be undefeated, by the way, if Kenny was gone for this segment every week. But, <laughs> You're right. Uh, That's right. Jarzinho Rosenstrike. All right, let's hear him say it. Jarzinho Piggy Boy Rosenstrike. See, you just need Ken Flo gone. I mean, did you just pure that thing? It's like hitting a golf ball flush. 13 and 10, no argument necessary. Let's hope that I can actually pronounce it right uh, in the main event challenge later in the program. So 13 and 10 for TJ. That's well done out of you, kid. And uh, pretty intriguing heavyweight that I'm excited to see fight live in person uh, for the first time this Saturday night at Madison Square Garden. Uh, as a true football fan, though, you already know, just as sure as the season's changed, Tom Brady will keep the Patriots in the hunt every week. Weekend. Your favorite football players put their skills to the test. So why aren't you doing the same while you're watching the games? We're almost halfway through the NFL season. There are a ton of huge MMA shows coming up. So now is the time to get off the sidelines and get in the game with my bookie. My bookie, the premier place to bet on all of your favorite pro and college football action every weekend. They always have the most up-to-date lines, the most prop bets of any sports book on the planet. You can also bet on games live after kickoff. I'm a big live wagering guy. And of course, if your bankroll is not as fat as Ken Flo's, you're the kind of guy who maybe likes to bet a little and win a lot. Not to worry, maybe you try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you will multiply your winnings. Either way, no matter how you choose to bet and attack the board, the best part is if you join right now, my bookie will double your first deposit. That's right. If you put in a thousand bucks, they will give you one thousand dollars. That's double your initial deposit. Use the promo code Anik Florian to activate the offer. That's promo code Anik Florian. One word Anik Florian. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, it is time to spin this thing forward. UFC 244, Masvidal versus Diaz beckons November 2nd, Saturday night. Let's get to the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. Annick. The time is most definitely now. Florian. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Annick and Kenny Florian podcast. All right, before we make the picks for this week, we did not talk about Stevie Ray's controversial majority decision victory over Michael Johnson in the co-main event in Singapore. Uh, Ian Parker is now with us. Ian Parker, a lifetime of the MMA game, former manager, uh, wrestling chops in his life as well. So I just want to ask you a general question on scoring, and I know you're an efficient talker, and that's why maybe I'm giving you this one. What do we do? Uh, because no matter how you saw the Ray Johnson fight, it certainly wasn't a robbery. I thought MJ won the fight. But Ian, if you're affecting change or in charge of change, are you doing open scoring? You doing half points? Do judges reserve the right to maybe score a 10-8 round and then retroactively make around a 10-9? What can possibly be done um, to to make judging more consistent? You know, it's it's tough, especially in a fight like that. I don't know of how many people really, uh, you know, after they announced Ray the winner, it seemed like everybody was trying to justify why he won instead of really giving a clear-cut decision. Just like you and I had talked about in that round three, you know, what really gives it a true 10-8? Um, obviously, we know the rules, but it's still a judgment call. It's tough. I don't mind the half-a-point idea. I think in order to really give put the fight back in the fighter's hands, so there aren't as many controversial decisions. I think there should be open scoring. I don't see a problem with fighters knowing what they're looking at going into round three, especially in a fight like that. I don't. I think Michael Johnson, had he known that two judges had the card going against him, I think he would have probably fought differently with a different type of sense of urgency and not get taken down and do what Michael Johnson does and almost give the fight away in round three. So that that's the best thing that I could possibly think of that quickly. Uh, but that that's what I would do. Ken Flo, you're the fighter in the room, and God, does your beard look good today? It's a little long, so you let it go a little bit. It, it is getting a little distracting long. It's distracting me. It's so good. It's, it's a little distract- out of control. Uh, you know, listen, I, Ian, I, I, I like that. I, I don't mind that um, suggestion. The only problem is that's kind of – you're building something based on poor – judging right like that's a solution You're changing to, the sport based yeah. upon the judging right correct like, correct like imagine you kenny in your prime right look up at the jumbotron you think 
you got two rounds banked, like maybe Ben Askren going right. into the third, and you see that one judge gave the first two to Maya. That's that's a mind fuck. No, it, I mean, it absolutely, <laughs> it absolutely fuck. is, and it's it, it's a thing that is not solving the core problem, which is the terrible judging that we have. Now, again, John, I agree with you. This was not a robbery, but it was a bad decision. Yep. It was a bad decision. You look at this fight and you go 29-28, 29-28. Uh, you think that it's going to be Michael Johnson that gets the nod. And no, I mean, that is just ridiculous. To me, I, I don't know how the hell they came to that conclusion. I think Stevie Ray was very tough. He showed a lot of grit and determination. But Michael Johnson won the fight. He was the guy who was really landing the more significant strikes. He was busier. Um, you know, he, he obviously he, he lost that third round, but man, that, that was, uh, th that was a, that was a he, bad call. But he a hundred percent won round two. That was the other part yes. that threw me off. Like there's no other way. He landed four, four in a row combinations that put Stevie's head backwards multiple times yeah. that everyone went, Oh, every time it hit, you know, round one could have got a little funky, but even then though, how is it not even a draw at worst case scenario? But I don't know. Fucked right. up, fucked up judging. So, Ken Flo is watching the fights at Long Island Bagel with Ian Parker Saturday morning. By the way, we made good yep. on that, by the way, to our Anakin Florian podcast listeners. He, all The whole time, he's just like, dude, can we please FaceTime Ken Flo? <laughs> I'm like, bro, I'm not going to wake Flo, and he don't want to see us right now at all. At 5 in the morning? I, I, wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't have gotten I that want, call, guys. I, I, even I for you, John. Party. I didn't want you to feel left out, bro. Right. Well, thank you. Thank out. you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Uh, and by the way, the best thing we could do for judges, even though we need to move on, five judges, noise-canceling headphones in the back. They don't even need to be there as far as I'm concerned. You know, put them in a room in New York right. City, five judges watching, you know, the same monitor, and uh, and off we go. Or different ones, whatever you want to do. All right. right. It was 131-127 uh, going into Singapore. You guys agreed on all six fights, if you recall, uh, and went three and three across the board. So Team Florian maintains control of the board, as they say, 134 to 130. Coming up on UFC 244, first official pick for us. We're going to try to do 12 today, but we'll see how many we get in. Featured prelim on ESPN, Johnny Walker Blue, minus 160, Corey Anderson, plus 130. Ian Parker, who do you have here, kid? Man, this is an exciting fight. I think I'm more excited to see where Johnny Walker's at against a very strong wrestler and cardio machine, yeah. Corey Anderson. Um, that, that's really where I want to see. Corey Anderson's talking a big game, how he deserves to be closer to the title shot, but his wins have not really been all that exciting, and they haven't been against top-level competition. And Johnny Walker's coming off his best, most exciting win, So, and then hurting himself doing the stupid worm. I like Johnny Walker here. I think when Corey Anderson fights a pressure fighter, especially a pressure striker, he tends to fall short against Jimmy Manoa. You know, it happened. And I think Walker is just a freak of an athlete. Uh, his confidence is through the roof. I don't think Corey, uh, he's a good wrestler, but Johnny Walker is also a freak athlete. He's not going to get the fight to the ground as easy as he hopes for. Walker's got good takedown defense. I'm going with the exciting fighter. I'm going Johnny Walker here. Corey Anderson will always be beast in 25-8 to me making his 14th ufc start here ken flow three straight wins overall for anderson walker of course on the other side has won nine in a row johnny walker three and oh in the ufc six five 82 inch reach all the athletic gifts seemingly three pro losses though uh huge fight at 205 here ken flow which way are you going yeah, listen, what an opportunity for Corey Anderson to really uh, shut up all the doubters. Uh, but he is going against a very uh, athletic Johnny Walker, a guy who can be reckless at times. Um, and against a guy who's very consistent and very predictable in Corey Anderson, it's an intriguing fight because of that. Two very different, different styles here. Uh, and I, I just see that. Corey Anderson, it's going to be difficult for him to get in and get the takedown consistently. I think the longer the fight goes, the more it favors Corey Anderson. But uh, Johnny Walker typically gets off to a great start. Corey Anderson uh, takes some time to warm up. Um, and I think that first round will be telling. I, I think Johnny Walker most likely gets it done and gets it done by some kind of a TKO. Woohoo, Ken Flo giving you the method, even though you're not asking for it. Chalk yeah. so far for Parker and Florian. Oh, at lightweight, how good is this? The undefeated Gregor Gillespie, minus 160, Kevin Lee, plus 130. So Lee back at 155 pounds here uh, after that main event at welterweight against Rafael Dos Anjos. That was in May in Rochester, New York. That was actually the third straight headlining spot for the Motown Phenom. Fourth overall main event in the UFC. Uh, Ian Parker, Gillespie fighting twice a year, but 
damn, is he good when he does fight. Which way are you going in this one? This, this one I've been going back and forth with because when's the last time Kevin Lee fought someone who's been ranked lower than him and Kevin Lee is the, the underdog here? Um, Kevin Lee, you know, obviously his last few fights have not been at his best. You know, against RDA at 170, tough fight against Ally Quinta seems to be his kryptonite. But let's not forget who Kevin Lee did beat five rounds, you know, and guys like Barbosa. He's fought way better competition than Gregor has. Um, Gregor is a wrestling phenom, cardio through the roof. But you know, his, his toughest competition was Yancy Medeiros. I, I'm really having a hard time here because this is a huge step up of competition, even though Kevin Lee is, what, 0-2 in his last two fights. He's still an elite fighter. I still think he's a top-seven guy at 55, even though he hasn't been there. Um, I'm going to take a shot here at Kevin Lee as the underdog. You know, there's a big difference in wrestling and MMA wrestling, and Kevin Lee is a very underrated MMA wrestler. Uh, and this fight stays standing. Kevin Lee is a very dangerous striker, and let's not forget – Kevin Lee is a very dangerous fighter at three rounds. So I'm taking a shot here, three rounds. Kevin Lee is the underdog. Kempo, a big part of this Kevin Lee, the fight before the fight, right? Making 156 pounds on Friday, which is a huge ask, right? And I think if he can get through that part of things, uh, you know, it could be smooth sailing, uh, although nobody has smooth sailing against Gregor Gillespie. D1 national champion, four-time All-American, Edinburgh University, only true freshman to gain that All-American status at the school. Um, he's 13-0. and 0. What do you think about this matchup for Gregor Gillespie, best fisherman in MMA here against Kevin Lee? That's right. Um, l- listen, I-, I totally get why uh, Ian is going to go with Kevin Lee in this one. Uh, I think he's larger. He has faced more competition, has more experience in the UFC, um, has been switching things up. He's been training over at TriStar. Um, you know he'll be prepared. I think his approach for this fight is to really try to slow down Gregor Gillespie. I think Kevin Lee needs to basically be extremely defensive early on, try to thwart those takedown attempts from Gregor Gillespie, get him tired, get him doubting himself, his game plan, and then try to turn it on later in the fight. Um, I don't know if he's going to be able to do that. Gregor Gillespie is a guy that really uh, utilizes that grinding style, that high-pressure style. There are levels to the game. Kevin Lee is a good wrestler, but certainly not of the pedigree of someone like uh, a Gregor Gillespie. Um, I think Gillespie needs to let his hands go, get some respect with his hands, and, and try to put Kevin Lee on his back. I think if he's successful in putting him down in that first round, Gregor Gillespie's just going to run all over him. I, I really believe that. The more momentum you give someone like Gregor, the worse it gets. Um, I- I'm going to go with Gillespie here uh, to get the win. Gillespie is an absolute monster, and there seems to be this misconception out there that he's not a finisher, right? 6-0 in the UFC, he's finished the last five guys, you know, and sometimes it isn't the most crowd-pleasing style, and he says about that, he's like, I signed a contract, I'm trying to finish the guy, and five straight times I finished the guy, what are you looking for? I'm putting everybody away, finishing fights like Ken Flo. All right, heavyweight (laughs) guys, uh, Bwagoy Ivanov. Slight favorite here, minus 125. Derek Lewis uh, can be had at minus 105. The question, Ian Parker, do you want the Black Beast here? Coming off surgery, torn ACL back in March. Mm. I think people would see some value here on Derek Lewis. What do you think, Ian? Well, number one, he's probably the most fun fighter to hear after getting a win. I mean, the whole my balls was hot thing will be the best meme in history forever today. Um, However, I think this is a bad matchup for him. You know, he's not a cardio machine, obviously, and... Blagoy kind of is. If you see his fights prior to the UFC, outside of knocking people out, he was a grinder against the cage, utilized his wrestling. You know, he is uh, awkwardly athletic for a guy of his build. And his last fight, he went against a guy who kind of, I think, has a similar style with striking as Derek Lewis. I I think for Blagoy, he's going to have to really utilize his cardio. That sounds hilarious in a heavyweight fight. Get the fight against the cage and bring it to the ground, and it's all his. I think Lewis needs a very lucky shot to do it. Uh, Blagoy's got a hell of a chin. I'm going to go with Blagoy here. As much as I agree with you, John, there's value always in Derek Lewis as an underdog. He's got that power. I just think Blagoy's bullying and pressure style is going to be too much for the Black Beast to come back to after a year of no action. Yeah, Ken Flo, even of pretty accomplished guy, had a big combat Sambo win over Fedor Emelianenko, if I recall, back in 2008 yeah. uh, in, a, in a major spot. Uh, settled in pretty nicely in the UFC. Back-to-back wins here this year over Tai Tuivasa, Big Ben Rothwell. Does he get a third straight here over the Black Beast, Derek Lewis? 
Well, I, you know, I, I think Ian uh, said it best in regards to Ivanov that he does have a very good chin. He's a guy that just seems to be able to stick around and pull off wins and win rounds consistently. Uh, Derek Lo- Lewis is hit or miss, uh, literally. Um, he is a guy that can put your lights out. Um, I think if Derek Lewis does connect, as good as Ivanov's chin has has been so far, um, he can certainly knock out someone like Ivanov. Um, I just don't see it happening. I think Ivanov needs to utilize his wrestling way more in this fight just to keep Derek Lewis guessing, to slow him down, to get him tired. I think if he's able to do that, uh, Blagoy will, will get the win. All right, next up at welterweight, Stephen Thompson, minus 130. Vicente Luque, even money. Just one win for Wonderboy in his last five. Knocked out by Anthony Showtime Pettis back in March. On the other side, Vicente Luque, now, this could be platinum Mike Perry's fight, right, against Wonderboy Thompson had Mike Perry gotten that co-main event decision back in August. But it was Luke a squeaking by platinum, pushes the winning streak to six. Uh, Ken Flo, we will lead with you here, actually. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, Vicente Luque, who do you like? Man, what a fight. Um, you know, I, I think Wonderboy is certainly the more technical striker. There's no doubt about it. I, I think Luque perhaps is a little bit more dangerous because of his power, his ability to get to the clinch. Uh, Wonderboy cannot let that happen. I also think Luque uh, would be in an advantage on the ground, no doubt about that. Uh, Wonderboy, that has been his weakness, but it is very difficult to take down Wonderboy, not only because he's been working on his wrestling, but he has such phenomenal footwork. I do think that footwork will be the difference in this fight. However, uh, I, I think his ability to avoid that forward pressure from Luke and just pick him apart from the outside, he needs to stick and move, not try to force the knockout, not try to force things ha- to, to happen and stay in the pocket. If he's able to do that, I think Stephen Wonderboy Boy Thompson uh, comes back and gets the win here against a very tough Luque. Ian, what do you think? Steve Wonderboy Thompson, Vicente Luque. I am shocked at where these odds are at. I'm all over Wonderboy in this fight. Uh, betting, everything. I'm going to take out a fucking line of credit at this point. I don't even Ooh. care. I love this shit. Uh, you know what? Here, here's what I look at, <laughs> right? I think to Kenny's point, Luque may have the power advantage, but what he's showing me in his last two fights is he does not fight to his strengths against a guy that has obvious weaknesses. In the Barbarina fight, he got lucky. He didn't even try to get that fight to the ground. He was trying to prove that he was tough, that his boxing is coming you know, along as far as his jiu-jitsu, and it's just not going to happen. You know, yeah. Mike Perry could have easily got that decision, again, against a guy who has evolved tremendously in his striking. But, all, you know, but the ground game, there's an obvious advantage there for Luke, and he didn't do it. In this fight with Wonderboy, the difference between the three of them is Wonderboy has really strong takedown defense, better striking than the other two. The angles, you know, Thompson's not your type A striker. He's got that karate style, the angles which he throws kicks. He's got cardio for days, and Luke seems to kind of gas a little bit. Even though he's able to hang in there and fight, he still slows down. I just think that Wonderboy's IQ way higher. The striking's better. Um, I think Luke is not going to even get close to him enough to even shoot in. I like Wonderboy in this fight a lot. I, you know, I don't think Luke is going to knock him out. Everyone's going to be a little weird on Wonderboy because he got hit with the Superman punch. Up until then, he was winning that fight no problem. Yes. Um, you know, Tyra Woodley did not have an easy time getting Wonderboy down. That should tell you something. I like Wonderboy in this fight. I'm putting a lot of money on him. No question there. <laughs> right, co-main event also to be led by the flow here. Kelvin Gastelum minus 195. Darren Till plus 160. That was when I scripted the show now darren till at least where i bet is plus 185 we'll need the round of the method of victory here kenny absolutely love this fight gastelum you know trying to respond after taking part in not just the fight of the year front runner but one of the best fights in ufc history against israel adesanya back in april till of course goes from 17 0 and 1 to 17 2 and 1 now moving up to 185 pounds huge spot for both of these fighters who do you think gets it done at msg kid it certainly is man um this is a tough fight for Darren Till. I, I, I don't know. I, I think he has been making some poor decisions in the fight that he fights that he's been taking. Um, this is one of those that if he loses, I, could he be out of the UFC? I, I mean, I don't know. This is just I, I think uh, 
mismanagement at the highest level. But uh, I, I like Kev- Kelvin Gastelum in this one. I think he has a ton of experience. Um, can Darren, Darren Till win this fight? Yes. I, I, I just think it's going to be difficult. For me, Darren Till doesn't throw enough combinations. I think Kelvin Gastelum uh, can thwart that forward pressure if Darren Till decides to take that style and, and chase Kelvin down. I think Kelvin can always go to his takedown, uh, utilize that reactive takedown, put Darren Till on his back, and take away that forward pressure easily. He also has uh, a tremendous overhand left that he throws um, with ferocity. Uh, he seems to come in shape. Uh, he's always going to be well-prepared, well-trained, um, has a chin of granite. Um, I-, I like Kelvin in this one. And give us a round and a method of I'm victory. Sure. By the way, great analysis on KG because that's really him in a nutshell. I do believe him to be a future world champion. Uh, you think he gets Till out of there inside of 15 minutes or what? Um, I I think he can. Uh, I'm going to go with an old classic Kenny Florian do decision it. Why here. Why would you not? I'm going with the decision. I, I think it being three rounds, um, I think it would be difficult. It was If it was five rounds, I would say maybe a finish late. But uh, I'm going to go with Kelvin Gastelum by decision here over Darren Till. Ian, you heard Ken Flo say he doesn't love the matchup, at least as far as Darren Till taking it at this stage of his career. And it dovetails with what UFC President Dana White said this week, that this wasn't his first choice for a matchup for Till, but he wanted this KG challenge. What do you think uh, he does with it, Ian Parker? I'm actually curious to who that fight would have been if it wasn't Calvin Gaston, because I agree. I think this is, I mean, did, we, did he not watch that fight against Adesanya? You know, this guy could easily be... Uh, what would have been the champ, and I do agree with you, he is a future champ in the making. You know, for for Till, he's got power, he has the reach, but to Kenny's point, Kenny, you beat me in the punch, I hate you for this one, Darren Till does not really throw combinations consistently at all, and that's the biggest downfall with someone who fancies himself a striker. Kelvin knows how to get on the inside, so for those people that are like, oh, Till's so much taller, you know, Till's always so much taller. So that's not that crazy of a situation right. here. Um I think Kelvin gets on the inside. I think Kelvin might even try and take this fight to the ground, even though he doesn't have to. But I like, oh, man, I really, you know what? I'm going to switch it up here. I may change it later in the week. I'm going Kelvin Gasolum, round two submission. I think Kelvin gets this fight to the floor, jumps on his back, and takes it a choke. Uh, I don't think he wants to really stand and strike if he doesn't have to. And that's where, obviously, the huge advantage is. I'm going Kelvin right there. All right, main event for the BMF title. This man can lay claim to being the baddest motherfucker on the planet, guys. Jorge Masvidal, minus 185. Nate Diaz, plus 155. Need the round in the method. Ian Parker, who leaves MSG with that BMF belt? On a betting standpoint, in order to enjoy this fight, I'm not going to bet on this because I really just want to watch it without caring who wins. Just I want that, I want that war. Um, right now, it's tough. You know, Nate Diaz came off a long, long delay, and he showed the world that he still got it. And he looked amazing in tennis. And Masvidal has just been, you know, baptizing people, as he likes to call it. Um, as a Jew, I don't really understand that, but it's fine, <laughs> as it is. Um, had to kind of throw that one in there. But right now, based on the momentum, based on just where we're at, I think if any time, it's got to be Masvidal's time. I know I say that, um, you know, it might be a little cliche, but I think if, if Nate loses, he still has that Connor trilogy waiting for him. I think right now, this is Masvidal's one chance at this point in his career Get a win, main event MSG, first main event for him, beat Nate, and then have the winner of Usman versus Colby Covington, and the story continues. I'm going with Street Jesus. I'm taking Mazadol. I'm just going to say decision because I, I, every time I think Nate's going to get finished or whatever, it doesn't happen. So let's say Mazadol by the Ken Flo decision. Ken Flo, Nate Diaz, 25th UFC appearance here. It could have been obviously a lot more had he not been idle for three years and, and ended that three-year layoff just 73 days ago. Went over Anthony Showtime Pettis, turns around here pretty quickly and taking on Jorge Masvidal. If it weren't for Adesanya, this would be the 2019 fighter of the year. Obviously, the big finishes over Darren Till, most recently Ben Askren. You know he wants the Usman or Covington fight. In order to get there, he's first got to beat Nate Diaz, 305-209. East Coast, West Coast, Ken Flo, who do you like in the main event? Man, what a sick fight. Um <laughs> I, I'm so happy this fight is happening, and, and these two guys who have been around the game for so long are finally getting their due, um, and, and and it's happening kind of uh, convergently here with these guys. I think that uh, Masvidal early on is going to be a tough guy to deal with. I think he has a lot of offense early. He's very explosive. Um, and I think he's extremely skillful, both offensively and defensively. He has excellent wrestling. He's very good on the ground. He's not going to be easy to catch. 
Um, and I think the more he can control the pace of this fight, the more that he can lead the dance uh, and lead the flow of the fight, I-, I think it will be his fight to lose. However, when Nate Diaz gets in there, it might take him a little while to heat up. But when he does, he creates a chaos and a pressure unlike any other fighter uh, that can produce out there. Um, he is a guy that is going to have the reach advantage. Um, he has a tremendous chin. He will uh, inevitably go to your body, which will slow you down. When things get tough, there is no fighter that will respond better than Nate Diaz. Jorge Masvidal is absolutely tough. There's no doubt about it. As tough as they come. But Nate Diaz is one of those guys similar to a Gaethje. Similar to a, uh, a Tony Ferguson that is willing to die inside the octagon. I don't use those words um, lightly. Those are things that a lot of people love to say. But who's actually doing that? Who's actually you know, not concerned with that, if that's a possibility? Nate Diaz is one of those guys. And I think that the later the fight goes, the more it favors Nathan Diaz. Um I, it's hard for me to go against either of these guys. Um, and if Jorge Masvidal is the front runner early on, I just think that Nate Diaz's chin is going to hold up. And I see Nate Diaz getting a win late in this fight. I'm going to go with TKO round five, Nathan incredible. Diaz. Absolutely incredible. And I will be listening back to all of your sage words. When I fly <laughs> to New York City, the safest bet of the week, though, Ken Flo, is that Ian Parker's wife was going to win their conversation as to who was picking up the kids on Monday. <laughs> Ian, I, I trust you got to go pick up a kid, or are you going to stick around for our rapid-fire quick picks? I'll do the rapid-fire quick picks, but after this week, I'm going to be available. Past the ah, after this week, but I, so. I bet 3K yeah. on your wife, and, yeah. uh, and I won. <laughs> Easiest bet I've ever made. Uh, right. As you showed, it was probably minus 1,200. So, you know, it's a round one. Yeah, too easy. Too fucking easy. So this is a new segment during the main event challenge. It's called Rapid Fire. It debuts today. So from now on, all 12 UFC pay-per-views, I need picks on every fight. Okay? So six quick picks apiece. Give me five seconds if you want, but just need a winner. Ian Parker, featherweight. Hakeem Dawadu, minus 135. Julio Arce, plus 105. I like Dawadu here. I didn't like the way that Arce uh, had to pull out a head kick in order to beat Julian Arosa. Kenflo, Dawadu, slight favorite here against Julio Arce. Going with Dawadu. All right, another close one here at Welterweight. Lyman Good, minus 130. Chance, Ren count is even money. Ian Parker, who do you like? Ren count screwed up my bet last time. I'm taking Lyman Good. Striking's too good for this one. He better keep this fight on the feet. Kenflo, Good or Ren count? Yeah, I'll go with Lyman Good as well. All right, women's flyweight title eliminator, Caitlin Chukagian, minus 160. Jennifer Maya, plus 130. Ian Parker, who do you have? I'm taking Jennifer Maya as the underdog here. I think Caitlin lost to Joanne Calderwood. I think Maya's style plays well in this fight. Can't flow. Maya, slight dog here against Chukagian. Who are you backing, kid? Yeah, this is a tough one. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go the other way, though, Chukagian. All right, heavyweight. Jarzinho Rosenstrike trying to stay undefeated, minus 160 here against the ageless Andre Arlovsky, who is plus 130, Ian Parker. Oh, dear God, I'm terrified for Arlovsky. I'm going Rosenstrike here. Oh, my God, he's going to hurt Andre so bad. And Flo, you agree on that one or what? There was a great soccer player back in the day, I believe it was in the 70s, uh, named Jarzinho for Brazil. Uh, he was a brilliant striker. I think broke the record for most goals in the World Cup at oh, the wow. time. Uh, I'm going with Jarzinho just because of that. No, th- this guy's a tremendous striker as well, man. Comes from that kickboxing background. He is very dangerous. But, man, I hate picking against Arlovsky, who has been doing really well lately. All right, pick him fight here at middleweight, boys. Brad Tavares, minus 115. Edmund Shabazian, minus 115. Ken Flo's been watching film on Shabazian today. Ian, what do you, what do you think? Tavares, Shabazian, pick him fight. I like Shabazian here. I think that as much as I, I do like Tavares, I just haven't seen that evolution in this game. I think this is a young prospect, and this is a good match from his time. Style-wise, it plays into his favor as well. Uh, this is a good test at this point in his career. I like Shabazian. Ken Flo, what do you think? Shabazian. All right, and then finally, <laughs> featherweight prelim, Shane Burgos, minus 250. 
Mr. Finland. Makwan Amir Khani, plus 195. Ian Parker, what do you think? Amir Khani surprised me in his last fight with, with that win. Uh, however, I think Shane Burgos just looked so, so good. And he got robbed of a unanimous, uh, unanimous win by saying it was a split against Cub. I think if you could do that to Cub and you keep evolving, I think he wins this fight here. Amir Khani's tough, though. I just like the way Burgos is really developing. He is huge for that weight class. I'm going yeah. Shane Burgos. I don't have any cool yeah. Brazilian soccer story. So I'm going to go with that. <laughs> Burgos, Amir Khani, who do you like? I like Burgos in this one. All right, Ian yep. Parker, have a, have a great day, buddy. Always bet on your wife, kid. We'll talk to you next Monday. Ooh, a little burn before I leave. I no, like it. Enjoy on. that bacon, egg, and cheese in New York, bro. <laughs> ah, see you. There he is, Ian Parker, with us for the main event challenge. All right, before we go, it's time for the pick to click. It is brought to you by OddsShark.com. OddsShark is your source for the latest odds from leading authorities, expert editorial content, and detailed matchup picks with expert in-depth analysis for each game. Their free statistics, numbers, and trends will help you make the sharp picks on game day. Head over to OddsShark and start playing like a shark today. OddsShark.com. Don't forget that second S. I have not been a sharp of late. I have been as square as it gets but our next guest has not been square. Joining us for his twice-monthly appearance, Odd Shark sports analyst Joe Osborne. Joe, good afternoon, man. How are you, sir? I am awesome. How are you, Mr. Enick? I'm licking my wounds today. Uh, you've been very clean <laughs> to our audience. Joe has gone 3-0 and on his pick-to-click here on the Anakin Florian podcast. We'll get to that later, but I know you've got your eyes on UFC sure. 244. I was on your show, uh, and you were talking about the odds for this main event. You know, weeks out, um, but for our audience, Jorge Masvidal, minus 165 range or so as the favorite against Nathan Diaz. Uh, any thoughts for uh, for the podcast listeners on the main event coming up here six days from now? Yeah, a few, actually. I think Masvidal is actually offering pretty good value anywhere inside of minus 180 is my opinion. And I'd be happy to yeah. get him anywhere up to minus 200. Uh, taking a look at Diaz, obviously he's an amazing character, as durable as they come, but I think he's getting a little bit of a free pass and maybe a little bit too much credit for his win in his comeback fight over Anthony Pettis. People seem to be forgetting that Pettis broke his foot early in that fight, taking away leg kicks, which you have to assume were a pretty big part of his game plan. That said, though, John, I think the best bet you can make for this fight is for it to go to decision, which is coming in at around minus 145. Like I said, Diaz as durable as they come. He's only been finished once in 24 fights in the UFC. Masvidal, meanwhile, has gone 10 years without being finished. So you can this bet minus 145. Either fighter can win. It just has to go to a decision. Kent, isn't it crazy? And I was there, obviously, on the call. Toby Imada's inverted triangle choke upside yes. down reverse style was the last time Masvidal's been finished. I mean, it's unbelievable. It, you know? It's unreal. I mean, that was one of the first... What one of the first couple weeks that we met, we did the show and we were talking yeah. about it, yep. and uh, pretty crazy, man. Wow. Joe Osborne on Twitter at JTFOZ. All right, so Masvidal versus Diaz, you like it to go the distance, which could be nail-biting time for a lot of people if they're testing each other's chins late. Co-main event, I don't know if you read into early fight week line movement. Uh, you know, we mentioned earlier that Kelvin Gastelum was minus 190 last night. You know, now I'm seeing minus 230, at least where I play. So Darren Till as high as plus 190. Uh, a lot of people think maybe Till biting off more than he can chew here in his UFC middleweight debut. Any lean for us on the co-main, Joe? Yeah, I like Gastelum to win this one. But you know what? He yeah. opened up minus 155, which I thought was fair. But he's getting a little bit overvalued now. He's one of these guys who's been chronically undervalued in his career, especially at middleweight, uh, usually because he's a little undersized, uh, maybe a little soft in the midsection if you want to get into analysis of the male physique. Uh, probably not the podcast for that, though. But uh, <laughs> Till, really unique spot for him. You know, he's moving up a weight class, and he's actually going to have a size advantage here. But something we've seen time and time again in the UFC is fighters being unable to revive their careers after a few bad losses. Look at Chris Weidman, for example, uh, right. who I was dead wrong on in his fight uh, when I was on your podcast uh, two weeks ago. He's just 26 years old. Uh, he has that reputation as for having that savage, savage weight cut when he was at 170. Maybe this will be the best thing for his career, but... We've seen Gasolin beat bigger men before. And let's not forget, he had Israel Adesanya on the ropes early in that fight. So I like him, but I think he's kind of overpriced here. So uh, not much betting value on him. I love talking MMA with these sharp Canadians. I think there are a lot of bettable fights on this pay-per-view card. I think on the fight card top to bottom, 
Um, anything else, Joe, pique your interest before we sort of look ahead to week nine in the NFL? Yeah, one uh, set of odds really stood out to me, and that's Kevin Lee at plus 135 over Connor Galepsi, who comes back at uh, minus 165. And I love Kevin Lee in the spot, actually. Uh, he is easily the biggest test of Galepsi's career so far, and I think this line may be a bit of an overreaction to Lee's two-fight winning streak. Previous to this fight, Lee was actually the favorite in five of his last six fights, including his last two versus RDA and Iaquinta, both losses, of course. But if you look at the losses in Lee's career, they all tend to come in very high-pressure main event-type fights. Uh, This one, the lights won't be shining as brightly. He won't have the media obligations that he has had in the past. So I think that might help him out. You know, he's uh, up in Montreal training with TriStar and GSP, so making some changes there. Uh, I think he could see him uh, get back on track and give Galepsi the first loss of his career. All right, we'll see how it shakes out this weekend. And before we let you go, I'm playing the Miami Dolphins plus 14 and a half or whatever it is tonight against the Steelers and Mason Rudolph. I know you don't have much of an appetite for uh, – for what could be some sort of rock fight uh, on Monday Night Football, but anything mm-hmm. looking ahead in the National Football League, Week Nine or otherwise, for our for our cappers and betters out there. Absolutely, John, and it is your New England Patriots coming in at minus three and a half in Baltimore for Sunday Night Football in Week Nine. And for some reason, the Patriots uh, people don't like betting on them. Uh, I think the casual better does, but uh, people who consider themselves sharps don't like betting on the Patriots. But Guess what? You're losing a lot of money. They're 6-2 yeah. against the oh. spread so far God. this season. Looking at a bigger sample size, uh, the best bet in the league over the last five seasons. Um, taking a look at a few things versus uh, Baltimore, though. Patriots, they're on a 13-game win streak. Win margin of over 20, 10-2 against spread in the last 12. Specific to this matchup, we know Lamar Jackson, very different type of QB, but I think they can devise a game plan to bottle him up and make him throw. This might be... No, I should say it probably is the best defense of the Belichick era. They're allowing 7.6 points per game. Yeah. Uh, first in opponent yards per play, opponent third down conversion, second in sacks. Uh, and one little uh, nugget here, a little trend. Uh, you might not buy too much into this, but I think there's something to it. Patriots 9-1 straight up in the last 10 games before a bye. So you got to believe there's a strong right. motivation to go into the bye on a winning note. And also, you dig into some of those some numbers. Uh, the Baltimore defense not very good, so I love the Patriots at minus three and a half in Baltimore. And you set up a good argument for it. And you're right when you're not betting on New England, as I don't, because uh, I'm always fading them, just trying to purchase wins. Uh, you're losing money. All right, on Twitter you can find them at JTFOZ Joe Osborne OddsShark.com. Thank you for your time, as always, sir. Great stuff. Hey, thank you, John. Thank you, Kenny. Uh, good luck to both of you guys, and good luck to all the listeners out there. Thank, Thank you, buddy. You. There is Joe Osborne. You can see his daily show, I believe it is, Guys and Bets, over at OddsShark.com. For me, opening lines, closing lines, that is my first stop, OddsShark.com. All right, that is it for this week. we got to get out of here. I mean, may Rocky BJJ has been open since 7 o'clock in the morning. Is that right? Doors yeah. open 7 a.m.? That, that is correct. And before we go, I just want to say I hope everyone who's dealing with the fires in the Brentwood area, Santa Monica area, are okay and have evacuated. Uh, crazy situation with these fires, man. Thank you for that. Autographs and photographs all day, by the way. Ken from Rocky BJJ. He's headed there right now. 11677 Santa Monica Boulevard, Los Angeles, California. MayRockyBJJ.com. 7 a.m. for that first class. Just get it out of the way. If right. you're like me and you don't like jujitsu class, just get it out of the way at 7 a.m. If you're like Ken Flo, maybe you do three a days. I don't know. All right. Thanks to all the guests. Thanks to TJ DeSantis behind the glass, so to speak. Thank you all for listening. Watch on YouTube. Subscribe to the show. That actually helps us. I don't know how, but in some way, shape, or form, it does. We'll talk to you next Monday. We will recap UFC 244. Until then, for Ken Flo, I'm John Anik. Don't text and drive. You'll live. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast is a TJ DeSantis production. Its content is intended for private use only. Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and wagering week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. 
I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.